Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And listen to me. This is the Fantasy Football Best Friends Forever show. Start listening to us or suffer the consequences. And with that, we welcome you inside of Studio 34. This is the BFFs. He is Frank Stanfall. I am Greg Sussman. It's the Joe Judge Coronation. We're here to talk, not about Joe Judge today, but a whole lot more. Virginia Zakis will join us coming up later on in the program. We'll go over some sophomore running backs, hit on some NBA, and hang out with you over the next hour. What's happening, Frankie? Greg, happy Thursday to you. If you thought 30 minutes of Joe Judge talk was enough yesterday... You were right! You were wrong! Because his press conference is on right now, and I'm sure we're going to get a live play-by-play from Greg Sussman. Quote John Mara, We would have been pleased with any candidate that we interviewed, but in our eyes, the search ended Monday afternoon following our interview with Joe Judge. His poise, confidence, leadership, and what it takes to win shine through. Let's see if he can follow up on that Matt Rule press conference from yesterday that everyone's talking about, Greg. I'm not so sure. Who knows, man? Who knows? It was the best coaching interview I've ever been a part of. He's a teacher, a communicator, someone who commands respect. He has a certain presence about him. It's Joe Judge. All rise. All rise. How'd you sleep, man? How did I sleep? I slept very well. How about you? Uh, I, slept, I slept pretty well. I dreamed, again, about this place. It happens a lot. Was it a dream or a nightmare? I was dreaming about someone put the heat on, and I had to deal with heat and air situations. Okay. Yeah. Well, for anyone who was watching earlier in the week, I spoke about this with Chris Venture. We have a lot of temperature issues here yeah, yeah. at the Sports Grid TV Network. So uh, it, it, it happened so often, and now Greg Sussman is dreaming, dreaming about, about it. it. Literally. I, when I walked in this morning, I was like, oh my God, I forgot. I, I freaking dreamed about this place again. And then somehow it turned into a dream about like capitalism. Very weird. This is what you're thinking about. Temperature at work. Capitalism. Capitalism. Politics. What else you got? You told us a great story downstairs, a throwback Thursday story. I like that story, right? Yeah. It's probably revealed it to everybody. You want to tell everybody? I appreciate like it. Like that much. It's pretty good. So we were talking about, well, how did the topic come up? Being an MC, a DJ, something about music. It's just something about music, but I was telling you a story how when I was 13 years old, my friend... I saw a crazy guy in the store. That's how it might have started. He was singing his own version of Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> this so guy was crazy. I was, I was 13 years old. My uh, friend's sister ran like a DJ company. And the DJ company um, did like birthday parties, ultimately bar mitzvahs and, and other like Sweet 16 and stuff like that. Um, 
But she asked us to tag along. I was like really excited about the opportunity to help out, like find the CDs for her to play, like hold the headset up and bring the uh, the fader up and down. I wouldn't really get to do much. Like she did everything, but like it felt cool. Like, I got to play around. And of course, we deal the fader every day now. Working the audio board it was really cool. So after the party, she's like, "All right, you can dictate the microphone. You can play around. Like party's over. Like do your thing." I'm like, oh man, this is this is awesome. And you know, I'm blessed to be able to talk into the microphone every day of the week. Here with you, Frank. Hold the microphone. I do a lot uh, on-air stuff here, and it's always been my dream to be on-air. And at that time, during the party, I took the microphone, and, like, repeatedly, I did, like, if I was the DJ, like, what I would have done. Like, I would look around the room, right? How old were you here? Uh, probably 12 or 13. Over 13. All right, so this was, like, 1975. Right. That doesn't make sense with the, with the punchline. <laughs> but, uh, so, I was, like, 12 or 13, and I would just take the, the microphone from the... Um, DJ, and I'd be like, all right, everybody here. No one's in the back here. Everyone had, had left. Um, they had gone out front. They're waiting for their parents to pick them up or, or driving. I, I don't remember. Um, all right, everybody, I got one question for you. Obviously, no one respond because it's, like, again, just an, uh, an Greg's just there hyping up the crowd. What, right. what was that? It's just an activity for me, <laughs> right? It's just an exercise for me. I can't but hear so you. So I would be like, all right, everybody, I got one question for you out there. And then I would turn up the fader and be like, who let the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? Wonderful job. So cut that right there, right? And then I'd be like, all right, you know what? I mistimed it just a bit. I didn't have the fader up. I didn't have the fader up enough. So I take the microphone. And I'd be like, all right, I got one question out there for you. Who let the dogs out? Right there, and I did that about seven or eight times. That's a lot of times. You must have really liked awesome. who let the I dog felt like down. this is a career for me. I'm surprised you didn't do something wrestling related. I, That's really where I thought the story was going. No, before. no, 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 no. No wrestling. So I thought it was awesome. I felt good, right? So I'm waiting for. I guess my mom picked me up now. I was picking me up as I walk in the front. Everyone's just like, "Hey, nice job!" I'm like I, I didn't do anything. She's like, "Oh no, we, we heard you back there. We we heard all seven times. <laughs> all seven times." So that was you might have a future in that. That Greg. was my DJ career. What did, a, what did a young 12, 13-year-old Greg Sussman look like? What was the hairstyle like? Did you have the spiky hair at that point? So the thing with the spiky hair, I always wanted to spike it, but it just curls, Frank. <laughs> so I, would I mean, put, you can make it work. I couldn't. You I put tried. gel in it. It's I just did. like a... So I, I used to wear gel every day. Literally every day. Why did this stop? Because... You know how many people have contacted me on Twitter? Probably not Asking for you to bring back the hair gel? I used lots of people probably and facial hair. Oh, I can happening. see it now. I probably you would look like Adam Sandler from. Did the I new gel movie. in my hair at the wedding? Do you remember? I probably you would look like Adam Sandler from Uncut Gems. Right, that's exactly what I would look like. That's exactly what if I would. You look put like. gel in your hair and grew a, a goatee. goatee. You would look Adam like Sandler. Adam Sandler. Yes. Correct. That's exactly what I would look at. I'm all for it. So the thing with the well, gel. Now we know your Halloween costume. Sure. <laughs> so I wore gel like every day of my life. Until I basically moved to Manhattan, Judy's like, why is gel in your hair? And I'm like, I, I don't know. It's just like what I do. Why is gel in my hair? And, and she's just like, it's just unnecessary right now. And then I like, kind of like looked around and I was like, huh, everybody doesn't use gel anymore. I'm like, Except huh, me. That's interesting. Well, I've said everybody, right? So now I don't use the gel and I you know, like it better. Well, people in Florida don't seem to like it. That's true. Sorry, Greg. That's true. It's all right. It passes around here. You ever think about changing it up, or are you just not you're happy what, at this man. point? You know. So it's funny when I've changed. I used Middle to try, age, Greg. 30, I used to try to change. 40, it up in, I used to try to change it up in college, okay. and I would like just 
go all straight. Like, so when I, when I was in college, I'd wear gel and I'd brush it back, right? I like I, I take my hair and I brush it, I brush everything back. So then one day I went up forward, not dissimilar to what I, I do every day, but I had it all forward. I went up to my friends, I'm like, oh my god, what do you think my hair? And they're like, it looks the same as it does every day. EFFs continue after this. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. All right, back here, BFFs. I can t- promise you I didn't play any together uh, during my short DJ stint. That's okay. Frank Stample, Greg Salzman, your BFFs with you. Virginia coming up in just a few moments. Before we get to Virginia, we spent a lot of time yesterday, Frankie, talking about the sophomore wide receivers that could break out, or if they do, where to take them, whatnot, all that good stuff. But question today has to do with the sophomore running backs. So if you had to choose one sophomore running back that you're going to take the earliest, Frank, next year, whom might that be? I'm going to lean on Josh Jacobs, and I know that I have lobbied for Miles Sanders in recent weeks, and I think that the hype is going to build as we get closer to draft season next year in well, this year, but next draft season uh, in 2020 for fantasy football because of what Miles Sanders can do both as a receiver and on the ground. Obviously, a lot depends on what they do with Jordan Howard, but I think that Josh Jacobs showed us enough this year, obviously, Greg, uh, playing through a fractured shoulder. He didn't play the final week of the season. He wasn't involved enough in the receiving game as well. Now, I think that's something that can improve, can increase. I think that he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He showed us that a few games this year, uh, and it was really odd that in the games DeAndre Washington filled in for Josh Jacobs, they used Washington as a receiver. So I think that he still has that untapped potential from a fantasy perspective, and I think the fact that he didn't catch passes this year is going to suppress Josh Jacobs' price a little bit. I think that if he caught the ball more this year, he probably would be a first-round pick in 2020, but because he didn't, he's probably going to be more of a second-round pick, and I could see that improving in year two. I'm going to be all over Josh Jacobs as a second-round pick. Yeah, John Gruden used this guy into the ground so much that he hurt his shoulder, and like you said, didn't play essentially the last month of the season. Josh Jacobs is a bright star on this Oakland Raiders team. I think the question will be is who is the quarterback for the Oakland Raiders next year. I don't think there's any guarantee that it will be Derek Carr. We'll ultimately see. But Josh Jacobs uh, is in a position to... Obviously, help fantasy football teams. You said you're taking an early second-round pick. That means you're comfortable with him as your RB1. Is that correct? Yeah, if I start with a wide receiver in round one, I think if you get a DeAndre Hopkins or a Devontae Adams or something like that, and you could get Josh Jacobs in the early to mid-second round, I think that makes a lot of sense. Look at what he did this year. 242 carries. He averaged 18.6 carries per game, 4.8 yards per carry. The Raiders have one of the better offensive lines in the NFL, and I think that their offense will continue to get better. I said this yesterday. I think that the Raiders will draft a wide receiver early in the draft, whether that's a Jerry Judy, a C.D. Lamb. Uh, So I think the offense improves. Obviously, the quarterback situation will change things. Potentially, uh, Derek Carr comes back to this team. I believe he's still owed a lot of money, so I don't really know how they can finagle that. Uh, Obviously, teams can find a way to do so, but I was really impressed with Josh Jacobs, Greg. If you remember, one of the talking points that we had regarding Josh Jacobs during draft season this year was how would he hold up with a full workload? 
because he never saw a full workload yep. when he was at Alabama. Yep. So he held up just fine. Yeah, he didn't play in the final week of the season, and that's when you need him most in the fantasy football championship. But considering you got this guy in the third, maybe fourth round, and he returned for most of the year, late first, early second round value, he gave you everything you wanted and then some. So I think if he can improve what he does as a receiver, he can be a first-round player going into 2021. I agree that that potential is there. But I guess my question is that right now you're projecting him as an early second-round pick, someone you're comfortable with taking with Devontae Adams, with DeAndre Hopkins. With I, I do have some Blake Bealey 2020 rankings up. He has not, uh, hold on. Josh Jacobs as his RB10. Just to put that in perspective. Fine. My point was that you're comfortable pairing him up with Hopkins, Thomas, Adams, something like that. By the time that draft season really rolls around, July, August, is he going to really sneak into the first round, though? We saw it with Nick Chubb. Is Jacobs going to sneak into the first round? We saw round? it with James Conner. These I, are I guys so that many right people... after we talked about, they were going at the beginning of the second round. You'd love to pair it up with a wide receiver. I have a feeling that... Everything you're saying is right. I agree with all of it with Josh Jacobs. He's awesome, and they use him, and he's the guy. Because of that, everyone's going to see the same thing we are. He's going to sneak into the first round. I don't think so. Because I think people are going to look at what he did this year and the lack of receiving. And I spoke about this a lot with Chris Ventura, the closer, when you were out last week, Greg. And we said we kind of have to stop looking at players who don't catch the ball, running backs specifically, running backs who don't catch the ball, and seeing that as a complete detriment. Yes, it is a detriment to an extent, but as EY said this year, Greg, fantasy points are fantasy points. It doesn't matter how you get them. So we have players like Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry who are so dominant on the ground and they soak up all the usage in the red zone that it can outweigh the fact that they aren't used as much as a receiver. And I feel that same way about Josh Jacobs. And I think he's going to be used more as a receiver in his second year and and subsequent years following that as well. But if you're asking me, do I think he's going to jump over a Joe Mixon? Joe Mixon was someone who flashed so much in the second half this year. Joe Burrow is going to be on that team. Everyone's going to be excited about the offensive line getting better and Jonah Williams. I don't think Josh Jacobs is going to jump over Joe Mixon. Okay. Uh, I think Leonard Fournette is in a similar range, but he did so much more as a receiver. I think a lot of people will probably lean on Leonard Fournette over Josh Jacobs. Me personally, I'm never the Fournette guy, and I will take Josh Jacobs over him as well. Uh, so I think that he's going to live in that there's just a early lot of, to mid-second so round it sounds range like for, for running backs. There's a lot of guys, which is good. Yeah. There's a lot of There's a lot of wide receivers in that range too. Yeah. Going wide receiver, wide receiver at the end of the first round is gonna make so much sense because you're gonna have the opportunity to grab two of Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin, uh Julio Jones is gonna be in that mix, Mike Evans is gonna be in that mix. So going wide receiver, wide receiver is going to be a very viable strategy at the end of the first round in twenty twenty. But I think if you kind of want to pivot and make sure you get one of those workhorse running backs, Josh Jacobs is definitely going to be in that mix. All right, Josh Jacobs, certainly in the conversation to be an RB1, uh, depending where you get him. Will he be your first pick? We'll see. That's a conversation we'll have later on. Obviously, you don't think so at the moment, Frank. A lot of other names in the mix. But it's Josh Jacobs, probably the rookie of the year this season, in store for a solid sophomore campaign next season. But he's not the only sophomore running back because I want to bring up uh, two more names for you, specifically Miles Sanders and David Montgomery because they were drafted uh, in similar positions. Montgomery actually going first in the 2019 drafts with the opportunity, with the thought that they would win you championships when it was all said and done. Didn't happen necessarily for David Montgomery despite a really, really good playoff schedule. Miles Sanders, 
Kind of did. Miles Sanders was fantastic for Philadelphia. And the rallying cry around him was, this is the earliest affiliates taken a running back since LaShawn McCoy. Doug Peterson's finally going to invest in a running back. And it didn't really happen until Jordan Howard got hurt. Now, maybe they bring in another running back to replace Jordan Howard. Maybe they bring Jordan Howard back. But do you believe they do rally around Miles Sanders and potentially Boston Scott? And Miles Sanders is a guy that ultimately we could trust in drafts in 2020. I don't know that I personally am going to trust Miles Sanders just because I feel like I still have that sliver of doubt when it comes to Doug Peterson potentially using a running back by committee. But I do think that they're going to get rid of Jordan Howard. I think that they are, for the most part, going to lean on Miles Sanders. Uh, whether or not Boston Scott, uh, Boston Scott has a huge role in this offense, uh, we'll kind of see how that plays out in the offseason and leading up to training camp and what they're saying about him. But I think Boston Scott has proven himself, really has stepped into that Darren Sproles-like role. And I don't think that's a, just a lazy comparison because I think that there are a lot of similarities sure. between Boston Scott yeah. and Darren Sproles and the fact that, obviously, Sproles played for the Eagles now Boston Scott really just moves right into that role. But I think Miles Sanders, and I said this before, will likely be drafted as a second-round pick, and it wouldn't surprise me is, as we get closer, if it's starting to look more and more like Sanders is the guy, we saw this down the stretch, the final month or two of the season here, he was a league winner, and he put fantasy teams on their back, and he proved that he can handle a full workload, he can catch the ball to the backfield, I believe Miles Sanders had 55 receptions, Greg, as a rookie. That is huge, especially in this Eagles offense. Now, I don't know if he'll see the same target share because guys will be more healthy. Uh, next year, he had 50 receptions. Um, but that's very uh, very impressive as a rookie. He was explosive. He was 12th among running backs in yards after contact per attempt. Uh, so I think he showed the full package, and I think that he will be a second-round pick, potentially even higher by the time draft season comes around. And Miles Sanders is somebody that you, I thought you were telling me was going to sneak into the first round you were telling me last I week. I was right? saying that recently. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. Over Josh Jacobs. Because he has already showed the he ability catch to the catch ball. passes. We'll see. Like I said, you, you know, people always have that doubt, right? Until they see it, they, they don't believe sure, it. Sure, of course. We had, that with Le- we had that with Leonard Fournette for years. Well, LSU didn't use him as a pass catcher. Right. The Jaguars didn't use him as a pass catcher. Right. And what happened this year? I mean, that should be the model for just because Josh Jacobs didn't catch passes last year and didn't necessarily do it in college doesn't mean he can't do it. It just means that they didn't use him in that role. So we'll see how John Gruden talks him up in the offseason, but I think there's no doubt Josh Jacobs can catch the ball and can help in that regard from a fantasy perspective. We just haven't seen him do it yet. I mentioned David Montgomery. Obviously, we have to talk about Devin Singletary. There's other names that are sophomore running backs that are worth bringing up as well. We'll do that in a little bit. But coming up next, Virginia Zakis of Inside Injuries joins the BFFs. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Inside Injuries with Virginia Zakis. Tis but a scratch. A scratch? Your arm's off. 
the first time in 2020, Virginia Zakis of Inside Injuries returns to the program. What's happening, Virginia? Hey, guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. How is the rehab going? Uh, it's very slow, but it's we're moving in the right direction. Hey, that's all we can ask for, right? Going in the right direction, trying to help uh, yourself get better, get back on the playing field, or in your case, back, back to the office. But that's okay. So let's get in uh, to NFL playoff weekend. The news came out earlier today that something happened to practice, and Adam Thielen had like a bad cut, needed some stitches, and it was severe enough that he's now questionable for Saturday night. What what's going on? Yeah, so I heard he he got stepped on, um, and I, the cleat caused um, you know a cut severe enough in his ankle that he needed to get stitches. Don't know how many stitches he needed to have. Um, he's still going to try to play. It's going to be pretty painful. Um, he's also taking a risk because it won't take much for um, the cut to open back up. Now, it does sort of depend on exactly where on the ankle the cut is um, for how you know at risk he is for that cut opening back up. Um, but, you know, of course, the ankle is a very mobile joint. Um, anytime he runs, cuts, steps, jumps, everything is going to sort of irritate that cut. Uh, so, you know, it's possible it opens up. That's the real risk he runs. but. I, I expect him to to try to play as long as doctors uh, clear him. Going to be painful, but I think he can do it as long as it doesn't open back up. Going to be a tough matchup here for the Minnesota Vikings going up against San Fran. They've been tough against slot receivers all year long, and now Adam Thielen is dealing with that. So pay attention heading into Saturday. We also have Mark Ingram, who is dealing with a calf injury, Virginia. He was limited at practice today. Coach John Harbaugh said, quote, We'll just have to see how it goes. He did not play in week 17. He's had a bunch of weeks here now to prep and be ready for this week, and they're still kind of holding things close to the vest. What do you think ultimately happens with Mark Ingram? Do you think he plays in this game? And if he does, uh, you know how reliable will he be for the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, given what an important game this is, I suspect he will try to play, although he, he really shouldn't. Um, I hate to hear guys, these running backs have these calf injuries, um, especially his, which has now lingered for about three weeks now. He was dealing with some tightness I heard earlier in the week. Um, that's a clear sign he isn't anywhere near 100%. He certainly won't be by this weekend. Um, that calf is going to affect his explosiveness, his quickness, um, and it's very easily aggravated. This is an in- injury that tends to linger, um, often gets worse when, when guys try to play before they're fully recovered. So I don't necessarily see it going well um, if he is active, but I suspect he will try to give it a go. No surprise here. He's a high injury risk and his health performance factor is in that below average category. So he's not going to be the same player that we saw, you know, for most of the regular season. You know, it's, it's interesting because I think it was a regular season game. Mark Ingram was not active this week, right? Like the calf, like he's obviously pushed it, he pushed it hard enough that he hurt himself um, in practice or re, I don't want to say re-injured himself, but didn't feel as good as he Hoped he would coming back. And I, I truly believe if this is a regular season game, he doesn't play. I think he gives it a go. We'll see what he has. He's not going to be somebody that I play in Daily Fantasy this week. I think Gus Edwards is sneaky. Um, I don't love Mark Ingram this week at all for Baltimore. One more player I want to make sure we ask you about, and that's Will Fuller, who whenever he's on the field, the Houston Texans offense changes dramatically. It is much, much more explosive, and it opens up more room for DeAndre Hopkins. Will Fuller has been in and out of the lineup all year long and really throughout throughout his career. He wasn't available last week in Houston's playoff game. Will he be available this week, and how effective should we expect him to be? 
Yeah. So right now he's dealing with a groin strain. Um, he's got a very lengthy injury history. Um, most concerning have been his series of hamstring strains. He suffered, um, 2016, 2018 and earlier this season, he suffered hamstring strains. So while this groin injury is a new one, it is certainly related. Um, once players start to have these lower body, you know, soft tissue, muscular strains, um, they just, they just keep piling up and Fuller has not been able to escape them. Um, he was limited at practice yesterday. I'm guessing that's going to, what's going to happen again today. Um, but unfortunately our optimal recovery time isn't until the end of January. So, you know, he's not going to be hundred percent. He's his explosiveness, um, his speed down the field is definitely going to be affected by this groin strain. Um, his injury risk is high. It's actually been high all season, even before he hurt his hamstring. Um, and his health performance factor is in that poor category, just because this can be such a devastating injury for a wide receiver that really relies on their speed downfield. I think Will Fuller probably doesn't play again, and the Chiefs have actually been really strong against wide receivers all season long, so they'll look to bottle up DeAndre Hopkins and will likely lean on Deshaun Watson making more plays with his legs once again this week. Virginia, we don't normally ask you about college football players, but someone who is entering the NFL draft and a potential top five pick is Tua Tagovailoa, and he suffered a dislocated right hip this season. You tell us about this injury, what the timetable is. Does this mean he's going to redshirt his first year in the NFL? Should he sit out his entire first year in the NFL? Uh, basically, what's the entire breakdown when it comes to uh, Tua uh, entering the NFL draft here? Yeah, so he suffered a right hip dislocation, which is a pretty uncommon injury. It takes a lot of force for this to happen. Um, and when that hip dislocated, it caused a posterior wall fracture, which is basically um, a fracture to the you know, the hip is a ball and socket joint. A lot of the time we hear the femur being fractured. This was a, a fracture actually to the socket. Um, it's a tough injury because if it's not reduced and the hip isn't put back in place pretty quickly, um, there can be a lack of blood supply to that joint. And that can cause some long-term issues with the bone and the cartilage. It can cause it to die down pretty quickly. But in his case, it sounds like he got the right medical treatment right away. Um, he had surgery. Overall, given the injury he had, um, all, all reports have been pretty positive on him. But unfortunately, this is something that we're not really going to know what his long-term outlook is for at least 12 months. Um, you know, They're saying he's going to have some medical checks before the draft, of course, so we'll have a better idea than we do right now of how he's progressing. But my best guess is that you know, whoever drafts him um, does not play him next season, really gives him time to fully recover, make sure he's 100% healthy. Um, you know, there's just a lot of issues you can continue to have recovering from this. And on top of that, he's also had surgery on both ankles in college. So he's had his fair share of injuries. So I suspect they'll take the year, get him fully healthy, work on his strength, especially for his lower body, um, and hope that he can, you know, have a, you know, pretty lengthy NFL career. Um, long-term though, I am concerned about significant arthritis in that hip. Um, and it's also possible that down the road, he would need a hip replacement depending on exactly how this goes. Tuitagavaloa has not been picture, uh, the picture perfect of health through, or picturesque of health throughout his Alabama career. And Virginia did a really nice job explaining it. Surgeries to his ankle, both of his ankles, rather. He has his hip problem now. A hip replacement could be coming. Arthritis in that hip could be coming. He's going to need a year off. You talked about redshirting him. Does he have the build for the NFL? Could he survive 16 NFL games? That remains to be seen. We'll see what the Dolphins do when they are on the clock coming up in the end of April. Let's move on, Virginia, and let's go to the, let's go to the NBA. We, we, we're going to talk about the NBA a little bit later on in the program, so let me start here. Tomorrow night, Zion Williamson and the Pelicans are in New York to face off against the New York Knicks. Frank anxiously wants to know, 
Is Zion going to play? So I think Zion's getting pretty close. Um, he had surgery in mid-October to repair a torn lateral meniscus. He was initially expected to miss around six to eight weeks. Um, that obviously didn't happen. His return has, you know, obviously been delayed a little bit. But he did some five-on-five work at practice earlier this week, which is usually, you know, close to the final step in getting cleared to play in a game. Um, now the team is going to be very, very cautious with him, not only because of this knee surgery, but he did have some injury issues in college. Um, you know, he's a big guy. There've even been some reports that they've tried to sort of retrain him on how to walk and run, which seems a little bit extreme, but I think, you know, with a big guy like this, the purpose is to make sure that he's transferring his weight properly. Um, and he's putting as little stress on his joints as possible, especially those knees. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in the next week or so. I don't think it's going to be, um, by this weekend, but you never know. Um, whenever he does play, he's also going to be on a pretty strict minutes limit. Um, I think it's going to be a while before we see them ramp him up to, you know, 25, 30 minutes a game. But he is finally making progress. And um, based on what our algorithm has been saying, he's sort of right on track in returning from this torn meniscus. Well, it looks like the joke is on ESPN, Greg, because they're just going to have a plain old Pelicans versus Knicks game tomorrow night with no Zion Williamson. Somebody that could have been a New York Nick, yes. Kyrie Irving, is dealing with something, Virginia. Uh, please excuse me if I say this incorrectly. Thoracic bursitis in his shoulder. Pretty good, Frank. I feel you got it right. Thanks, man. Uh, he's dealing with something going on with his shoulder. Uh, is he going to play again this season? It seems like the Nets have kind of kept this like a hush hush situation. He hasn't played in what seems like two months now for the Brooklyn Nets. What is going on with Kyrie Irving? Should we expect him back again this season? Yeah, so we've we've heard you know bursitis. We've heard right shoulder impingement. Um, basically what this means is there's some issues, you know, surrounding his rotator cuff. Um, basically it's affecting the cushion between, you know, the bones, tendons, muscles, and that shoulder. He's dealing with a lot of inflammation, um, that leads to a lot of pain. Um, it leads to stiffness kind of explains why he can't lift his shoulder without having a lot of pain. Um, and unfortunately so far, nothing has really worked. He got a cortisone shot, uh, just over two weeks ago. Doesn't sound like that's really helped. Um, he's been focusing on rest and rehab that obviously hasn't helped. So at this point, it seems to me like his only real option, if it doesn't improve significantly in the next few weeks, is to undergo surgery. Um, Obviously, he wants to avoid that, but right now it sort of seems inevitable, um, especially if there is any damage to the rotator cuff, um, which is very possible. There could be a slight tear that needs to be repaired. Um, They've also said if he does need surgery, his recovery recovery would be around three to four months. Um, I suspect it'd be slightly longer, but at this point, it seems like it makes sense to just go ahead, shut him down. Um, you know, he's clearly not anywhere close to returning. And if he does, I suspect his shoulder would continue to bother him. So I think they should shut him down. Um, I expect in the next few weeks, they'll make a final decision because if, if rehab and rest isn't working, you know, giving it another month or two when he's already had close to two months, isn't really going to make a big difference here. Virginia Zagas, that was an awesome, awesome update. We had so many players we didn't get to, but hopefully we'll do better next week. We appreciate all of your time and all of your hard work. You have to rehab and we'll talk to you next week. I'm good. Thanks, y'all. Thank you so much. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We got a lot more sophomore running backs to talk about over NBA best bets of the night coming up and a whole lot more. Stick around. The fantasy best friends forever continue on right here on Sports Grid. Mm-hmm. 
Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Back with you here on the BFS. Get on the grid. Sports Grid TV Network. You want to be the best and the next best daily fantasy legend? Then go over the green with DailyRoto.com. This fantasy golf season for a limited time only. Get free. It doesn't cost you anything. It's free. Access DailyRoto.com. It's PGA DFS product. I just realized you hate when I do that. That was what you pointed out when you were editing yesterday. You're doing it again right now. Okay. You don't even realize. Nope. No idea. Including fantasy projections powered by Data Golf, PGA betting tools, and of course, that. The Daily Roto Fantasy Golf Optimizer. Don't lay up. Go for the green with DailyRoto.com. Hey, the DailyRoto.com. Enter the promo code GREEN to access your free seven day golf membership. DailyRoto.com. Promo code GREEN for your free trial. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. We're back here. The BFFs, commonly discussing the sophomore running backs, and we've reached the David Montgomery conversation, Frank. He didn't break out like Miles Sanders. He had the opportunity. He had the matchups. For whatever reason, it didn't happen. Will it happen, and will it be for you in 2020? I think, first and foremost, the Chicago Bears have to shore up their offensive line because... As many analytics as we had from David Montgomery coming out of college about how elusive he was and breaking tackles and this and that, we didn't really see it in year one with the Chicago Bears as he averaged just 3.7 yards per carry. Uh, Didn't really get a lot of favors from his offensive line. Seemed like he was constantly getting hit in the backfield. Um, He was solid. I just think that he was uh, he underwhelmed us, and a lot of it had to do with Matt Nagy. It seemed like there were games that set up to be a big David Montgomery game in terms of matchup. Uh, the workload should have been there, but his usage was inconsistent. I think Nagy needs to buy into a full season of giving Montgomery 15-plus touches per game and seeing what he can do. You know what I thought of during the draft season, Greg? Was that David Montgomery this year reminded me a lot of Royce Freeman from last year. A running back that was getting hyped and hyped and hyped started being drafted in like the sixth, seventh round. And before you knew it, when everything was said and done, he was a fourth round pick in fantasy football. Ultimately, he did not live up to that. That might create a buying opportunity for next year because I think that he'll probably get knocked down another two or three rounds. Um, But ultimately, I want to see the Bears invest more in their offensive line and Matt Nagy invest more in David Montgomery himself. I like David Montgomery going into this year. I think there is going to be value to be had. I think that I don't expect him to put another valuable resource into the running back position. I think we're going to see a lot of what we saw. David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen. And if that's the case, give me the discount, right? I believe they're going to build... uh, Kyle Long potentially retiring is going to affect this team. They have to put more resources into the offensive line. But at the running back position, I expect more David Montgomery. I think I expect more opportunities. I expect him to be better in all facets of the game. I like David Montgomery Montgomery a lot, uh, especially at the increased, um, the I'm sorry, decreased draft stock. I'm very interested in David Montgomery. What do you think he goes next year in terms of just round? Or you give me a range, it's fine. I 
think that he went, you said the fourth round last year? Yeah. Fifth? Not much. You're the, you, I, I was thinking six, seven. You don't think it drops that far? I don't. Because when, it, when all the research comes in, you look, you're always looking for a running back, right? You're always desperate for a running back. You're going to get to the point where you're like, hmm, here's a guy, he's a sophomore, maybe he'll be better. The offensive line's a little bit better. Matt Nagy's a little bit better. Talk yourself right into it. I think so. What if I told you that David Montgomery finished outside the top 50 in yards after contact per attempt this year, Greg, I mean, at the Mike, running back Mike position? Mike Clay's going to hate him. Yes, probably. So, didn't really show the ability to, uh, to break tackles. How about in avoided tackles? Where did he rank there? He was actually very good in avoided tackles. He was eighth. Uh, he's elusive. Running backs. Elusive. Elusive. But in terms of the strength and being able to uh, break tackles and make something happen after he's contacted. And again, I think a lot of that comes back to the offensive line. So I want to see the Bears really address that in the offseason and really kind of just buy into David Montgomery, right? They used a, what, third-round pick on him? So why don't, you, uh, why don't you buy in a little bit more? Give him that workload. Trust David Montgomery. And if that happens... And I think he can bounce back next year from a fantasy perspective. Fair enough, and I think, I think that makes sense. Which brings us to Devin Singletary, another breakout star from this year who also, down the stretch, won you uh, leagues. The Buffalo Bills went away from Frank Gore and instead went to Devin, Devin Singletary, which actually surprised me. I thought they were never going to get away from their veteran. They did. When Singletary got hurt, I was like, all right, that's it. We're never going to see Devin Singletary again this year in a, in a major productive role. It happened, and now it's official. Devin Singletary is the man in Buffalo. Where are you going to have to take him in fantasy drafts next year, Frank, for him to be your man? I think he's going to be a third-round pick. Agree. I think he's probably going to be a high-end RB2, solid RB2, going in that third-round range. I don't think he's going to fall out of the third round. We saw his ability to catch the ball this year, especially in that playoff game. I think a lot of people are going to remember that. He's extremely explosive. The Bills have a solid offensive line. I don't expect Frank Gore to be back. And if he is, it's probably in a much lesser role. For example, I don't expect him to be used in the red zone for a lot of this year like he continuously was, even down the stretch, even last week in the playoff game when they needed Devin Singletary and this offense to come through most. They still had Frank Gore on the field. Uh, I think that we will see that Rand ex- uh, that role expand for Singletary, and I think he probably works himself into 200 and, let's say, between 220, 250 carries and probably 50-plus receptions which I think is fair for a high-end RB2. I think I am comfortable with him as an RB2. I, in the third round, you're going to see him as this... The thing with Devin Singletary is when you have a running quarterback, those, te- those running quarterbacks tend to really um, work out well for the running back. I, Mark Ingram is the obvious and prime example, and you pointed that out to me going into this year. All the reasons like... Well, Sean McCoy every year, he was with Tyrod Taylor 1, or Mike Vick with the Eagles. Absolutely. And you pointed that out to me. And I think with Josh Allen, it's the same type of thing. And I think getting excited about Devin Singletary is, is very reasonable. I don't care who they bring in. I don't care if Frank Gore's back. I don't care if they sign a backup I know. I'm not going to get talked out of this one because of how they utilize him. Sure, he might not catch as many passes as some of these other guys, but he's going to be so involved in this offense that wants to, from what we've seen every time, everything out of Sean McDermott, all of it we have seen, he wants to let Josh Allen run the football. He wants to let Devin Singletary run the football, and that's what this team is going to be. I like Devin Singletary a lot next year. Among running backs with at least 100 carries this year, Devin Singletary finished fifth in the NFL in yards per attempt as a rookie. 
So that is extremely impressive. Greg, would you like to guess who was number one this year in the NFL? At least 100 carries. Yards per carry. What do you got? Who's number one? Who led the league in yards per carry? Yep. I'll give you three chances. Oh, boy. That's going to be hard. You're going to be three chances. You should get it. I should get it. You should get it. Yards per carry. Yep. If you say it back to yourself five times, it'll probably help you get it, Greg. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so the first answer that comes to mind was Derrick Henry. Because he led the league in yards. Uh, Derrick Henry was 5.1. He was fourth. All right. So that's pretty... Not, not a bad guess. Not a bad guess. Nick Chubb was also close in there. I guess Nick Chubb. Uh, he averaged five yards per carry. That was the same amount as Devin Singletary. Tied for fifth. All right. You know Mark Ingram averaged five yards per carry? That's, that's insane. Yeah, it was amazing. You're, you were right. You nailed this one. Uh, Doesn't happen often. For you. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey? Uh, Christian McCaffrey. Eh, 4.8 yards wow. per carry. Number one. Yeah. You could have got this, Greg. Okay. Raheem Mostert. That's now, you know what? I, knew I believe that that's two years in a row I knew that. that a San Francisco 49ers running back has led the NFL in yards per carry. I believe it was Matt Breida last year. So, again, like we always say about these Kyle Shanahan running backs, man, he knows how to scheme this stuff up. Speaking of Matt Breida, he actually averaged 5.1 yards per carry this year, but didn't qualify because he had less than 100 carries. Uh, I was wrong. Matt Breida averaged 5.3 yards per carry last year. Who led the NFL? Aaron Jones. Man, I knew the Mostert one, too. I Mostert. saw that when I was doing research for the player. He's going to be an interesting one, too, for next year. Yeah. Figuring out what San Francisco. And Coleman will be back. Matt Riddle will be back. It'll be a, uh, it'll be a mess. I do um, like Raheem Mostert back. this year, though. I mean, this week, from a DFS perspective. We'll talk about that more tomorrow. Yeah, for okay. sure. Let's move over to the NBA, Frank, where uh, one of the highlights of the night were two 40-point triple-doubles in Atlanta between the Rockets and the Hawks. First time that's ever been done in the same game. James Harden and Trey Young both do it. Both put up over 40, 70, over 40, over 70 fantasy points. According to the official NBA scoring, James Harden led the way with 75 fantasy points. That was one big story. The other, Miami, with Jimmy Butler going head-to-head with T.J. Warren. Yeah, Jimmy Butler. What was going on last night? I mean, these guys really got into it. Uh, They had a feud. TJ Warren got ejected. There was some post-game jibber-jabber. There was an Instagram post, and we've got that all for you right now. Danny Okers, hit us with the Jimmy Butler audio. To me, I think it's tough for him because I can guard him and he can't guard me. Like, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Um, But like I said, um, I think you just got to watch your mouth in certain situations. There's some that you just don't say as a man. And, um, I mean... He he got he got to see me the next time because I, I feel like what he said was was truly disrespectful, and it's all good because um we see him again. I'm I ain't scared of nobody. So you know he talking about oh we gonna fight this that this that. It is what it is to me. And then what did you notice the middle finger from him and was the blowing of the kiss? He's soft. He's not he's not even in my <laughs> league like nowhere near me. Um, and if if I was their coach, I would I would never put him on me ever again. He's he's like no, put somebody else on me because I'm I'm a tear his ass up every time we play. So he's trash. I love Jimmy Butler. I love him. You didn't love him last year. I wish you. I didn't. <laughs> From a fantasy perspective, because demanding a trade, he wasn't as good with Philly. But do man, not. He is, a, he is a dog. Dude. If he I was the coach of his team, I would not put him on me because I would I'm a, tear his I'm a ass tear his up. ass up. You saw it. You saw it here. You saw the graphic. He circled it on his calendar. He put it on Instagram. March 20th. Get ready because the Indiana Pacers, TJ Warren, going up against Jimmy Butler on Friday, March 20th. Well, Victor Oladipo should be back by then, which would mean Oladipo will guard Jimmy Butler. Really? 
Yeah. Nah, we've got to get TJ Warren versus JB part two, no? Nah. Speaking of Oladipo, yeah. he's set to return January 29th. Let's go! At the end of this month. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, does that mean you are trying to trade away all of your Pacers players while you still can? Uh, yes. Not, not all my Pacers. That's, that's no, a stretch. No, no, because there's like, one that you're not trading away. And that's the dominator. I'm not trading away. Dominator. Not trading away DeMontis Sabonis. Oh, we talked about the NBA Fantasy Hour last night, how DeMontis Sabonis may take a bit of a hit in that spot, which is kind of interesting. But um, TJ Warren. I, honestly, I don't think he will. The aforementioned TJ Warren is someone's going to certainly lose... His usage rate that's going to drop when Victor Oladipo comes back. I don't know the, yeah. necessarily the minutes will, but usage certainly will. From a fantasy perspective, TJ Warren, somebody that really relies on scoring for his fantasy output, which is fine from a uh, points league perspective. But if you're playing categories, TJ Warren doesn't really do much outside of score. He does so efficiently. Doesn't really grab many rebounds, doesn't score many threes, doesn't give you any assists or anything. So if you can ship out TJ Warren for a viable player that you can start every single week, Something that you should look into doing uh, before Victor Oladipo returns for the Pacers. Greg, you mentioned the Rockets-Hawks game. Your boy, Alex Len. Maryland Terp, he's yeah, getting not. it done right now. Would yeah. you be looking to add Alex Len in fantasy so basketball So we talked right about this this morning. He was the highest-priced player that got added in our league today, Frank. And it was never really on our radar. Not that we would have been over $8 for him, over 8%. Yeah. But He went for right around 8 9%. Yeah, he did. $88, 8.8. Um... You know, Alex Lennon's still playing 20 minutes a night. One minute. That's the thing. Like, you never, the thing with Alex Lennon is you're never getting over 25 minutes. You're never going to get consistent. He has production. gone over 25 minutes once in his past six games, right. which is really a time that he's been breaking out for the that's Atlanta my, Hawks. That's my issue. I think it's a short-term ad. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they trade for Andre Drummond. It would surprise me. Really? I think Andre Drummond's going to be traded. I, agree I just don't you. know where. I agree with you. I but the Hawks have been the most active. Sure. So they say. According Austin, to reports. Austin makes a lot of sense. Austin makes a lot of sense. A lot of I sense. think Dallas makes a lot of sense. 30. Pair him with KP and Doncic. And Luka, you have yeah. your big three right there. Yeah, that's great. Literally, those are three very big players. Very large players, yeah. Yes. But Alex Len, I think for the short term, if you play in fantasy leagues, uh, you should be looking at him as an ad right now in fantasy basketball. Uh, the last person I wanted to name, pay attention to Lonnie Walker, man. He's been playing. If he could ever get those minutes up over 20 the consistently, fourth. Lonnie Walker, the fourth. He's playing well for the San Antonio Spurs. He is. All right, we'll come back. Four games tonight. Great hair, too. Four games tonight. Our best bets are next. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Final three minutes of the program here on the BFFs. Frank Stample, Greg Sussman, we're all rocking and rolling with you. Wager talk coming up next. Teddy Covers and Ralph Michaels. Frank, there are four games in the NBA tonight. The headliner for me, Oklahoma City and the Houston Rockets. They go at it tonight. Russell Westbrook's return to OKC. There couldn't be a number high enough for me uh, to go against him in any, in any way. Um, Let's look up his props while we're at it. I was going to do that. The Rockets are a four-point favorite on the road tonight. 24 and a half points is his prop. Over? I don't care. His rebounds, eight and a half. Over? We're getting that at plus 106. Over, yes. His assists, seven and a half. 
don't love that one. You don't love that one. He's not gonna pass the ball. The twenty-four and a half seems like a low number. Twenty-four and a half points scored. Over. In this game. Actually, it kind of seems high to me. The rebound one's the one I like the most. Really? Yeah. Eight and a half. Yeah. I mean, when Westbrook's going, he's he's still scoring. The problem is he's not putting up triple doubles because he plays on the same team as James Harden now. Yeah, I know. But look at he has cleared twenty-four points in one, two, three, four, five, six. Actually, I'm going to have to hit up window, Will. Because <laughs> he's done this in six of his last eight games played. He's gone over 24 and a half. You're telling me he's not doing that tonight against his former team? Oh, he is. The Oklahoma City Thunder? Very much so. So that's a prop tonight if you want it. Russell Westbrook over 24 and a half points. Uh, Greg, with all that being said, yeah, I like the Oklahoma City Thunder I to win this do. game outright. They are a four-point dog. You're getting their money line at plus 156. I think they are the better all-around team. The Rockets are on the second night of a back-to-back. Russell Westbrook did not play last night, so he's going to be rested. He's going to get his tonight, but James Harden, legs might be a little tired. He had to do a lot of work last night. Same thing with Clint Capella. He went 20-20. I think the Thunder win this game outright. They are at plus 156. And I also like the Celtics tonight to go into Philly. Philly plays very, very well at home, but they will be without Joel Embiid. They have the better coach in Brad Stevens. You're getting the Celtics at plus 114 on the money line. You're getting OKC at plus 156 on the money line. If you want to parlay those two teams together... You're getting them at plus 448. Greg, what's your best bet? My best bet for me tonight, you you hit one. It's not going to, I'm not doing this uh, parlay thing. We're taking Boston to plus two tonight in Philly. Uh, We had Joel Embiid playing Boston. Um, I don't say that back to back for them, but I do like Boston tonight. I'm with you. All right. Let's go, Celtics. Only time you'll ever hear me say that. Also, give me Russell Westbrook over the rebounds. Over rebound. Over eight and a half rebounds. Let's go! For Frank Stample, I'm Greg Sussman. Have a great night. We'll preview all of Divisional Divisional Weekend this Friday.